you don't teach people how to dance by handing them an SOP, right? <laughs> we look at an SOP and know, oh, I know how to tango now. Uh, that is, that's not how it works. You have to have a part of that process to be really good at a skill. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in a high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. Alonco's Prevacent, a new perspective. Visit prevacentpers.us to learn more. NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Every pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just all, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Welcome to Swine Eat Podcast. My name is Marcia Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsor highlight is about Zinpro. Since 1971, Zinpro Corporation has focused on one thing, trace mineral nutrition. As the most research-proven organic feed trace mineral products in the industry, Zinpro Performance Minerals deliver performance and profitability to swine operations around the globe. To know more, go to zinpro.com. Hello, everyone. Today, we have Dr. Sarah Probst-Miller, and we're going to chat about creating competencies on pig farms, following the science of how adults learn. So welcome to the show, Dr. Miller. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Appreciate your time so much. And as always, we always start with your career and also how we got involved in the swine industry. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I grew up on a pig farm in central Illinois, and uh, but I never grew up imagining I would work with pigs. Um, you know, when I was 18, I went to college mainly to play basketball, and that, that was my focus. Um, I declared several majors along the way, including theater and communications and English, and then to chemistry. And by the time I was at junior, I had no major at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember my coach sitting me down and saying, props, uh, pick a major and stick with it. It's NCAA rules. You have to have a major. And all I could think about was that farm and wanting to do something um, with folks like my dad. And so I um, declared pre-vet and along my circuitous path, I'd accidentally taken a lot of the prerequisites and then went to the University of Illinois College of Vet Men. That's yeah. cool. And then we practice after that, right? That's right. Um, so after veterinary school, I went to work at an awesome clinic in Western Illinois, Carthage Veterinary Service, and uh, spent a decade working with that group. Um, the first year and a half of my uh, practice, I was over in Western Illinois, and then shortly thereafter, um, helped establish a satellite location on Eastern Illinois, uh, part of 
the world. And uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Aaron Lauer and several other vets maintain that territory today and they're doing a, a great job. So that was a wonderful learning experience in my first 10 years. And then about 10 years ago now, I you know decided to leave um, a really awesome position and, mm -hmm. and take the risk of starting a business that really focused on some of what we're talking about today, which is how do we truly impact people on farms so that we can motivate behavior change so that as consultants, we can go to the farm and reach people in a way that they do what we need them to do every day. And so the last decade of my career um, at AgCreate Solutions and Pork Avenue Training Portal, we've been working to do that, create innovative educational and sometimes marketing material that work to reach both the head and the heart of people working on farm. So they are motivated to sometimes change and sometimes keep doing what they need to do every single day. Very nice. Yeah, was, uh, there's this quote, I think it was Dale Carnegie. He says that um, knowledge isn't power until it's applied. So That's it kind right. of applies with your, what you do. That's right. We would say that um, it's one thing to get information into people's heads, and we call that knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. But it's another to get it into people's hands, living and in action every single day on farm. And that's what we call competencies. Uh, so we don't just want to create people that know things. Mm -hmm. We want to create people who are competent at what they do day in and day out so they can positively impact pigs and also the people around them. Mm -hmm. Super cool. So as we get a little deeper into the subject, uh, how do adults learn? Right. <laughs> yeah, because when we're kids, right, we show up at school and we do what the teacher says. They the teacher asks us to do times table or memorize the country of the world and we, we say yes. Mm -hmm. But if today I asked our listeners to memorize all the countries of the world and all their capitals and how to spell them as adults, we would say, I don't think so. I've got better things to do. And so really, when we talk about the science of how adults learn, the step number one is what we teach has to be relevant to them. And mm -hmm. some of that goes down to the physiology of the brain and specific chemicals and hormones we even need to have present in the brain for that adult brain to learn. Because when we think of connections in the brain, they really are physiological electrical connections that must connect from one part of the brain to the other. Mm -hmm. And certain electrical connections in the brain are more likely to stimulate change and stimulate behavior. So number one, um, when we want to reach an adult, we have to answer the question of what's in it for me, for them, mm -hmm. very quickly, within yeah. 30 seconds. What's in it for me? And it seems like a selfish thing for that learner to ask, but if we're the teacher, that's really treating that learner with respect. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching you this today because this is how it's going to help you, or this is how it's relevant to your job. When we recognize something as relevant as an adult, we kind of sit up, we kind of lean forward, and we're willing to participate. And what happens in our brain um, as far as hormones and chemicals is one key chemical starts to rise. 
And if it rises to the right level, our brain is at the right spot, the right ability to grow new connections. And that hormone we need to motivate is actually a little bit of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Now, adrenaline, as we know, is a tricky hormone, right? Because at the right level, we lean forward, we're, we make eye contact, we're engaged. But if adrenaline gets too high as a mammal, and as humans, of course, we are mammals, mm-hmm. um, we respond one of three ways, right? We're going to fight back, we may run away, or we may freeze and play dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, uh, to survive. Our brain resorts back to that that place. And we see that sometimes as teachers in a room, don't we? We see folks sort of run away to their phones uh-huh. um, or they just start doing other things. And when that learner does that, it's because we have not reached both their head and their heart in a way that they're willing to engage with us. So step one as a teacher, you have to say, what is my hook? What am I going to say to grab that learner in a way that pulls them in so they actually listen? Yeah, wow. Yeah, and it probably goes back to almost natural selection, meaning like, why, why am I going to waste my time? Right. Yeah, no, exactly. It goes back to caveman periods because as You know, when we were um, building fires and learning how to plant things as a species, the children who mimicked adults and just absorbed that information quickly, they were the ones who survived, right? Now, the adults, the ones that were able to make the right decisions quickly, they were the ones who made it. And so those adults that were able to discern, this is important to me, this is not, that became a survival skill. And, you know, some companies even today will measure when our brain moves from that of a child being that absorptive sponge of a brain to that of an, of an adult, right? Mm-hmm. Companies are, any guesses? Hmm. No. <laughs> Car insurance companies, right? Oh. When, our, when our brains transition from a child to an adult, we become better decision makers. We be, most of us become better drivers. Mm-hmm. There's a different approximate age for women versus men. I'm sorry to say, mm-hmm. men, it happens a little later. <laughs> <laughs> not, not unexpected. Yeah. Not unexpected, but... <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, but it's an important time period. And it's, it's also not a moment in time. It's an approximate moment in time and kind of transitional. Uh-huh. And some of us revert back to... Um, you know, being absorbed versus discerning, but it's important. There's a difference between being a teacher of children than being a teacher of adults. And in the swine industry, for the most part, we're either teaching to people in their transition period or teaching to people who are adults. Mm -hmm. And regardless, we must answer that question of what's in it for me, Mm -hmm. where our learners very cool. So as you think about the, this competence, is like you said, uh, being able to apply that knowledge, what, what are some key aspects there for creating these uh, competencies right after what you just said on, you know, once you clarified what is in it for me? Yeah, yeah, no, great question. Um, well, part of what we do depends upon how upon how we approach our learners. 
So many of us start to approach creating competencies by writing down SOPs, right? Many of our companies would have booklets and binders of SOPs that, that are there. The reality is though that um, competencies from reading something get us to about 10% level of able to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's scary. That's scary when we are working to motivate people that need to work with pigs and positively impact these valuable um, beings every day. Um, Now, if I follow up with an SOP with an experience where I'm talking to someone on the phone or talking to them, we get up a little higher, we get up to about a 20% competency. But the reality of being human and how we learn is that if I see my friend Maria doing that task a specific way on farm, I will forget what you wrote down. I will forget what you told me because clearly Maria knows what she's doing. She's been on this farm for 20 years. So I'm going to, as a human, mimic her because that's what humans are programmed to do. Watch our friends, watch our leaders and mimic. So if we're going to change people, and get them to um, implement new things on the farm, there's a nice strategy following the science of how adults learn that we can implement. Number one, if they see that task done in a safe environment, either via a video or a demonstration of that task, and this is something you can do on farm with or without tools that we create as a company, right? You can Mm -hmm. give a demonstration and say, this is how you give this injection. This is all the tools you need. Um, But just giving a demonstration, having that learner see it, only gets them to about a 50% level of competency. Now, if we directly after that see it experience, we take that learner to the barn and we have them do the task with a mentor, it's pretty cool. We get them up to about an 80% level of competency. Okay. Now, if we want to get have an A-level confident employee, the next step that we can do on farm is have someone approach them in a verification fashion and say, okay, uh, today I'm your student. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretend I'm a new employee and teach me how to give this treatment to this pig. And then contrary to what you might think as a verifier, you don't get to talk, mm-hmm. you um, receive the information and you listen. You listen for key competencies that you wanna see living on your farm um, expressed by that person as a teacher. Because what's critical, Marcio, is that we must create a farm full of teachers because mm-hmm. they're going to be teaching by what they do every day, whether we want them to or not. So right. that's why we need to verify competencies by allowing them to teach so we know how they're influencing others. Yes. So today in the industry, how many or what rough percentage of the industry would you guess that is to this level of training? Yeah, it's it's interesting. We're, we often will help systems do baseline competency measurements um, some t- we had a farm come to us recently and say, Dr. Sarah, help us measure um, our culture. Help us measure whether our mission and values are living on farm by whether or not people are expressing competencies. Mm-hmm. So we went in and, and worked to understand their vision and mission. 
and then created a list of competencies that we felt if they were living on farm would best represent that company's vision and mission. And then we were able to measure by going on farm, and in this case it was me, I went on farm, put on my uh, coveralls and bandana, and I was like, hey guys, I'm a new employee today, teach mm -hmm. me how to wean pigs. Mm -hmm. And I, they did. I was taught how to wean pigs on that farm. That farm had probably a 60% expression of their competency level, which is actually pretty good when we're doing randomized measurements on competencies that they wanted to be an expression of their mission and vision. So then we created a strategic training plan that looked at competencies that were not present and um, then remeasured, mm -hmm. following the see it, do it, teach it principle. Mm -hmm. After remeasurement, that farm measured at 100% competency level using the same measurement strategy. Wow. I am your student, teach me how to do this. Yeah, we've done that like um, in several different situations, sometimes in situations where the farms in a, in a tough situation, sometimes they've been accused of not treating animals well, mm -hmm. sometimes that behavior has been caught on video, or they've mm -hmm. received an accusation. And we can go in and measure those competency levels, strategically train and then remeasure, see it, do it, teach it helps get adult competencies expressed on farm over and over again. So Marcio, I, I, you can hear that I'm passionate. Mm, yes, I love you it. Know, it. If we want to positively impact people, you know, we, we need to respect the science of how adults learn and give them, invest in those people, the experiences they need to live competencies, to treat people and pigs well. Yes. Let me ask you on on the specifics as far as when measuring, is that mostly subjective or mostly objective, measuring the competency? We measure the competencies, yes, no, present, based okay. upon what people are doing and what people are teaching. Um, that measurement is predetermined, uh, but subjectively measured by the person saying, today I'm your student. Um, that said, if one of the subjective measurements is, are you vaccinating pigs consistently in the right spot during weaning? So let's say that's a competency we measure. And we see two or three employees during weaning inject too close to the spine. Mm -hmm. That competency gets a no. Got it. Not living on farm. Yeah. So then let's say we're measuring 30 some competencies on farm. We'll give a percent of competency expression in that randomized measurement. Yeah, we have some systems that have invested in this position. So they're, they're using some of our training products and then um, investing in that verification position and um, have really um, started to apply and see the fruits of having those verifiers going to the farm for every competency that they want to see living. It becomes a new way to evaluate the farm. And it's something yeah. veterinarians can do too, right? As veterinarians, right. we can, um, let's say we want to apply a new competency on farm. Instead of writing a lengthy herd visit report that, that science shows is only probably going to stimulate a 10% level of competency, maybe instead we should say, let's create a see it, do it, teach it 
experience mm -hmm. that not only demonstrate this competency, but also works to measure that it's living later on. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's an opportunity for us as veterinarians and also leaders in the pork industry. It's something we can apply today. Yes. Do you think, uh, back to, to that original question, would you guess that, I would guess that, what, 10% of the industry would probably using that concept versus... 90% still on the paper. Uh, is that a fair statement or I'm completely off? I think that's a fair statement. Um, I mean, we, we know who we've worked with as companies and we know who, have, who of these companies have worked to apply these concepts. And it's also great for companies to have the intention to apply, see it, do it, teach it for competencies that you want to create. But it does take a time investment. Um, but I will say it's time well spent because some of our other strategies aren't getting it done. And right. we need to be better at reaching people. We, we wonder why people don't stay. We wonder why people don't view our profession as a profession. Yeah. Because we need to invest in our people in a way that reaches their heads and hearts, that lets them know that this is, can be more than just a job. It really can be a fulfillment to the calling to work with animals right. and their profession. I believe that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and I remember we interviewed Dr. Larry Coleman uh, several months ago, and he mentioned along those lines of we need to fix the back door, not trying, oh, we have a, you know, we have a problem of finding people. Well, first we need to just skip them. Yes, absolutely. And the first 30 days are really important. How we onboard people is critical. We, we cannot throw them on a black diamond ski slope and expect them to know how to ski and, and have a really bad experience, right? We need to gradually teach them and invest in them in a way that they're developing skills because we're asking them to not just know things, we're asking them to do things. To do things, they have to be competent. See it, do it, and teach it. Very nice. Now, if, if we can get... Um... One of the goals in the podcast is always try to get like one thing that the audience can apply today at the farm level. So what would be that one thing that veterinarians or farm managers can do right now to improve the way they teach? Mm -hmm. uh, I would challenge our listeners the next time they go to the farm to subject themselves to be taught to, to be a better teacher. Mm -hmm. um, I would invite you to show up at what I believe to be one of the most unobserved times during our sow farms, which, which I think is weaning. I think sometimes weaning happens with very little supervision. I think it often happens, especially this time of year in the summer, early in the day. And I think there's opportunity to apply low pressure handling techniques, but you won't know unless you show up then. And I would invite you to show up then and say, okay, I'm a, today I'm a new employee. Teach me how to wean pigs your way and listen. Very cool. And it's, it's interesting. One, th one thing that on that arena that comes to mind for me, at least when I'm trying to implement a new, how do you say, a new habit, if you will, mm -hmm. I, I put this reminder, right? That repeats almost every day or every week. In this instance, I would do that, right? Hey, um, be taught right? Be taught. And I would put to remember that daily or weekly and until it's uh, ingrained. And then I delete that reminder, just a practical way that I find of implementing something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Less speaking on farm, more listening. 
Cool. So as we transition into the future, how do you see the future of learning and teaching in swine production? You know, a lot of stuff that you mentioned right now is already, in my opinion, like cutting edge. But what, is there anything else coming even beyond that? Yeah. Um, you know, we're always trying to devise new ways to hook people in. And so we're experimenting with sort of choose your own adventure, online learning experiences. Um, we're experimenting with a product we call Take 5, which is a very short um, video that mimics the see it experience. Everything we create on our online portal is about applying the concepts of the science of how adults learn in a see it, do it, teach it fashion. Um, but we're always trying to figure out new ways to see the experience. I would also say one thing that has been um, cool about our see it experiences is that instead of testing people with true, false, and multiple choice, we would rather simulate the competencies as a measurement of knowledge uh, because it starts the process of doing the task for the first time in a safe environment. And I think that is the future of testing. We have as an industry the ability to move beyond true, false, and multiple choice, which most of us really dread uh, because we were subjected to it in school. Right. Um, and so I would rather that learner monitor sounds as they pharaoh in a choose your own adventure. I would rather people decide which pigs need the gift of humane euthanasia by hearing about the scenario they're in and making that decision because that decision is the competency. I would rather they, as they're cleaning the captive bolt gun, remove the bullet <laughs> so that they're safe uh, in some of the tasks that we're asking day in and day out. So I think simulations as yeah. a part of our uh, plan now and into the future. Um, and it's so cool, the things that we can do in that see it experience, but it can't just stop there. Technology can only get us so far on competencies. At a certain point, we must have mentors on the farm, helping people through that do it part of the phase, and we must have verifiers on the farm giving people that teach it back experience because it is only with that three part that we're able to create long-term competencies in people on farm. Yeah. And this, it's, it mimics also what they're doing for surgeons in the medical profession. It mimics what they're doing for astronauts. Oh, really? These Real life skills are not something, this, this see it, do it, teach it is not something Sarah Probst Miller came up with. Uh -huh. It is something that I want to see our industry do yeah. because it, it works. Science yeah. says it works. So let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was just listening to a podcast a few days ago about, it was an interview with an astronaut that went to the space station about 10 years ago, I believe. And he was mentioning about his training. I believe is a, pole in texas that is the size of a, a football field almost and they have this it, it's a this object that mimics the international space station so they you know they would do it all like moving by, by movement of the maintenance that that they need to do and the, those sorts of things so it's super cool that you mentioned that yeah and you know their competencies are life or death right Right. And so they have to really measure whether those competencies are real before they put those men and women in those situations. Right. But even a, a really simple example of 
how this resonates with us is that you don't teach people how to dance by handing them an SOP, right? <laughs> we look at an SOP and know, oh, I know how to tango now. Uh, that is, that's not how it works. You have to have a part of that process to be really good at a skill. Super cool. Anything else on this topic, Dr. Sarah, before moving to the three questions we ask every guest every episode? Um, no, I don't think so. I just want to motivate folks to give it a try. Um, don't just stop by doing a demonstration. Take that person to the barn, be their mentor, and then be courageous enough to submit yourself to the experience of being taught to, to give that person the opportunity to fully practice their skills so that you can be a part of creating a full of teachers awesome yeah this is this is huge this is huge and and um, we are lucky to have you doing a lot of this work in the in the industry for sure it is time to our famous three an animal nutrition technology company offering innovative products and new applications for the swine industry the combination of ab vista enzymes technical services, and nutrition expertise provides the industry with new opportunities to further improve production efficiencies. Fiber is receiving renewed interest due to its influence on the microbiome, and AB Vista has brought together research experts to discuss the industry's knowledge of fiber functionality and to introduce a Stimbiotic, targeted to improve fiber digestion. To request access, contact NAM at abvista.com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. The first question is, what's your favorite pig-related book or resource? Right. Well, you know, besides diseases of swine, I'm always so grateful for our AASV uh, publications. Like the ability for us as veterinarians to go on there and search for resources, I find myself there um, most often for scientific um, publications. So I'm super grateful for the American Association of Swine Veterinarians and all they do to maintain that as a resource for us. Super cool. Yeah, it's a wealthy of, uh, wealth of information there. What about a favorite book or resource in general not related to pigs? Yeah, you know, there is a book that um, I just keep going back to, keep reading over and over again at different stages of my life. Mm -hmm. I love historical fiction, and this is historical fiction. It's a book called The Shell Seekers by okay. Rosamund Pilcher. It was written in the 80s, okay. um, and she just has some of the most beautiful quotes that, that just touch my head and heart, and oh, I cool. just find myself going back to that book when I need to be like rocked like when someone uh -huh. when I need to, <laughs> you know hold me i go back to that book and i feel at home That's um okay. so i don't it's just a beautiful she has beautiful That's quotes cool. and it, any any uh, now i'm curious right any quotes that comes to mind or any specific oh, I, yeah there's one um oh it's she says um it was it was good and nothing truly good is lost. It stays a part of you, becomes a part of your character, so that it goes with you everywhere. And part of me is yours forever. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, profound. 
Yeah. She also quotes um, the Autumn Journal by Lewis McNeese a lot. It is an incredible poem journal written in 1939 by this um, professorial gentleman. But the other quote that I love is at the um, he talks about the, the impact of losing but growing from it. And it says the die is cast. Um, there will be a time to audit the accounts later. There will be sunlight mm -hmm. and the equation will come out at last. It's just, I just love, I love his poetry and I love how she quotes it. Um, yeah. Your book, but I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's super cool. Definitely, definitely the first time someone brings it up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's that's really what we want here on the on the podcast is really learn something else that maybe not not many people knew about what you like and uh, that other folks might enjoy as well. So, mm -hmm. and lastly, what do you think sets apart successful swine professionals from those who are not? Gosh, I think successful swine professionals are great listeners. They listen not only. Um, with their heads, but they listen with their hearts. And I think the really great ones um, have know that this is the number one skill that they bring with them when they go to the farm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I yeah, I have a few folks that I can name in the industry that I'd really think uh, outstand on this area that that you that you brought up. It's it's definitely something hard to teach. I think. Yeah. Super cool. Well, Thank you so much for your time today. That's, I think it's so cool what you're doing, Marcio. I, what an awesome way to help positively impact our industry. I think Thank it's you. super cool. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate your time so much. I know you're busy. And uh, we definitely be in touch, Dr. Sarah. Yes, take care. <laughs> hey, everyone. Please share our episodes with as many people as you can so we can continue to impact the life of swine professionals from around the globe with the wisdom of our great guests. Before you go, make sure to get in our waitlist for the Swine Talks web conference, the first online conference of the global swine industry, an update on hot topics, and we're even going to have some controversial topics of the global swine industry so you can leverage that knowledge in your day to day. Go to swinetalks.com and get on our wait list. We'll talk soon.